You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Crippled Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is Andrew Gerza. I am your disabled Dick Smith. Thank you for joining me. Get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get this show started. I am recording this. I don't know when this is going to be released, but I'm recording this episode on the 20-year anniversary of my first time coming out. So that feels really cool and appropriate and awesome um, because 20 years ago when I came out, I never thought that I would be doing this and I would be, you know, recording a show about my sex life and disability in a podcast for people all over the world to listen to. So that's kind of awesome. And I didn't realize that I would have the best sex life that I've ever had at 35. So... That's cool. If anybody is listening to this right now and you are struggling coming out being disabled um, and having trouble navigating all that stuff, I see you. I'm here for you. If you want to chat about it, hit me up on the social medias at the Andrew Gerza on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and let me know or email me privately at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and if I can offer you any help or words of wisdom or encouragement to come out and be a happy, healthy a uh, disabled person while being also out, I want to help do that. So, yeah. But it's my 20-year anniversary. Yay! For this episode, I want to talk about sex in my brand new accessible bed because I just bought one and it's super hot and it's super big and I love it so much. It's a queen bed and I am having really great sex in it, so I want to share that with you. But I also want to look at some other stuff around sex accessibility in beds and that kind of stuff and all those things. And I, I felt it was important to bring that into a whole episode and talk about that. So that's what we're going to do for the episode today. You spend at least a third of your life in bed asleep. And we hope that some of that time is spent having hot hot sex. And if you're disabled, it may very well be possible that you spend a whole lot more time in and out of bed for a variety of reasons. One of them, I surely hope, is to get your hot disabled rocks off with a hot lover. I hope that's happening for you. 
Well, for me, for the last three years, I've been trying to have sex in a bed that wasn't accessible to my body and to me at all, really. In fact, while it was an accessible bed, it wasn't really giving me space to do anything, and it wasn't really giving me what I needed. It was giving me the exact opposite of what I needed. When I moved out of the suburbs into my apartment in Toronto three years ago, I had to get a new bed because they were putting me in from the suburbs where you have a lot of room and a lot of space for all your things into a downtown city apartment, which means your your space just goes from a lot to a little. And that's what it means when you move into the city that generally that's what happens. You get no space. And I'm in an accessible apartment, and I still have no space for anything, really. Um, So when I moved into this apartment, I needed to get rid of my old bed, and I needed a new bed for the space. And I was having trouble finding an accessible bed that I could use, and I was lucky enough to find a single bed on a furniture selling site. I think it was Craigslist. I found it was a... It was a single adjustable bed that somebody was selling that was like, it was a barely used and it was super available and the, the buyer that was selling it to me, I said, I have a disability, I need this bed when I move into my apartment in Toronto, what can you do for me? And he was like, oh my goodness, you have a disability, like, let me help you, let me send you the bed, let me bring it to you, let me help you set it up, all the things. He was more than happy to reduce the price for me and to get me this bed. I was so lucky to find it. And I was really happy because I knew that this bed, it did go up and down and it was, it was adjustable, but it was a small enough to fit in my apartment because when I was looking for a bigger bed, I just was like, oh, there's going to be no size. I can't do that. I'll have no space. I can't do it. I need to just deal with a single bed. And I remember thinking about in my head when I was thinking about the bed, I was like, oh, well, what about sex? How's that going to work? And I put it out of my mind because I was like, accessibility is more important right now. I need to focus on that. So I'm going to take what this person's offering. And he was so sweet. It was his mother-in-law's old bed. And she had used it once or twice and then moved into an assisted assisted living facility. So he just had it sitting there. So I didn't want it to go to waste. And I just thought, okay, well, I literally put sex out of my mind and said, I need to do this for my accessibility. Don't worry about the sex. Just do this. This is more important. And so it was so funny because I think about sex all the time. But in this case, I was like, sex doesn't matter now. Do this for yourself. You need this. When I finally saw the bed in my new apartment and when everything was moved in and I looked at it, I remember looking at it and thinking, oh, this seems uninviting and rather small. And I just remember being... Like, subconsciously looking at the size, being like, yeah, nothing can ever happen in this bed. So I I was pretty much telling myself, and I was at a point too, I just moved and I wasn't really having sex at that point. So I was like, well, I guess, okay, I'm just going to be disabled and have a bed. Like, I, I was really happy that I had a bed that went up and down, but I also look, I looked at the bed in my space, in my big space the day that I moved in. We put the bed in my room and it just looked really small and it looked uninviting and the visual message was that this bed is for a disabled person to do disabled things on it like care and stuff but nothing sexual would happen in this bed no fun or any pleasure would occur in this space 
like putting that bed in the room made it feel like a dis- disabled bedroom. You know how like when you're when you see in all those HD HGTV shows about like how you're supposed to create a space that makes you feel joy. Putting the things in my room it didn't didn't make me feel joy. It made me feel like okay, this is a room where the disabled person sleeps, and that's all they're gonna do here. And I remember for days and days after getting the bed, I would look in the bed. I would even I even slept in the bed and thought, this is super. Like what? Do, how am I gonna do anything here? And I remember lying in bed the very first night that I got the bed, just being really upset, and not understanding why. But I I realized subconsciously like I can't fuck a dude in here. There's no way I can do that. How am I going to do it? And I didn't say anything to anybody about it because I wanted to be grateful that I had a bed that went up and down and I needed this. So I couldn't be angry that I had a bed that worked. I had to be grateful because it was a bed that was adjustable and those things are really expensive, which I'll get to in a minute. But I remember the first few nights, the first week or two, I was really angry about the bed. And the first time I actually had sex in this apartment with somebody they gave me a blowjob in my wheelchair because I wouldn't let them put me on the bed because I was like, I don't want this to be... I don't want to have sex in here. This bed is not for sex. I remember feeling that, and so I made the person have sex with me in my wheelchair, which was, was fine and great, but I didn't want to have sex in the bed, and it's because the bed didn't invite me for pleasure. And also, because it was such a small bed that I would be dealing with care workers in the bed and thing, all that stuff would be happening, it was literally like I had a tiny little blanket that I would put on the bed and some like some really simple single sheets. And they just, it, there was nothing inviting about this bed at all. It was just a bed that I slept in and that's it. And then to top it off, I had to put bars on the bed because it was so small that if I roll over, I would fall out. And I didn't want to fall out, so I put bars, like, I bought children's, what is it called, bed rail? Yeah, I bought bed rails for the bed so that I wouldn't fall out, so that I would feel safe and comfortable. And so it just didn't look at all, it didn't scream, like, come fuck me in here. It was like, oh, okay, if Andrew needs something, this bed is perfect for that. And that's how it went for a long time. I just figured out, okay, this is the bed that I have. I'm going to deal with it however it comes. And I wasn't, I didn't think about having sex in the bed for a long, long time. And partially because of the shame. I wanted people to walk in my bedroom and see a giant, luxurious sex bed that was like, yes, I fuck in this bed a lot. Sure I do. But they didn't see that. They saw a tiny, inaccessible adjustable hospital bed and so it didn't make me feel like I wanted to bring anybody in there so for a long time I didn't have sex in that bed. I actually turned down a number of hookups in the first few weeks that I was there because of the bed. I said no I can't I'm not interested I don't want to do this like sorry no and I would also ask them like can I come to your place and they would tell me how their apartments were inaccessible and I couldn't be there so I I just didn't have sex because I didn't want them to, I didn't want the bed to be an issue, and I didn't want to get comments, and I didn't want any of that, so I just didn't, which is a shame, because I, when I moved to Toronto, I really wanted, in the first few weeks, to fuck all of Toronto to get that out of my system, because I was finally in the city, but I had a bed that I just couldn't see myself, or didn't feel proud of bringing somebody into. When I finally did have my first hookup in the bed, I can remember 
how truly difficult it was. It wasn't so much that I really had to do anything or that I really had to move because, as we know, my go-to move for any kind of sex is, of course, the dead turtle position. So I didn't have to do much of anything, and there's not there's not a lot that I can do anyway once I'm in that position, as we know. But it was really about having all these big, sexy, hairy men smushed on top of me, which I know, the visual is super hot. And for a few nanoseconds, that was really hot. And there were a few times where I really enjoyed like being crushed by people's pectorals. That is not a that is not a bad thing, and I'm grateful that that got to happen to me. Believe me, it's not a bad thing. But I couldn't luxuriate in the moment with the with the lover in the bed, and I couldn't like lie there and just be free in the bed. And to be honest, they couldn't access my body in any kind of comfort in the bed either. They were always having to do major acrobatics for us to have any kind of sexual interaction or any kind of sexual fun, too. There was a lot of twisting, a lot of turning, a lot of pulling, a lot of moaning and grunting. And not for any of the reasons that I wanted there to be. It was just because they were trying to figure out how to squish their, you know, bodies into this tiny bed. And I couldn't do anything. I had to be like, oh, that's what it is. Sorry, thanks. I remember at one point last year, I was with one of my, my lovers, and we were messing around. He was trying to turn around so I could eat him out, which is a skill that I am super good at, by the way. I'm really good at analingus. If anybody wants to test that theory, if any good-looking dudes want to come over and test that theory, let me know. But I'm really good at that. Um, and he was turning around to put his ass in my face, and as he was doing that, because that was so small and compact, he kneed me right in the nose. Luckily, there was no bloodshed, um, but he almost left me with a bloody nose. Who knew that analingus would leave you with a bloody nose? I didn't, but I almost got one. Usually, I love it when I'm with the lover and they comment on the size of the things they see in my bedroom. I really, really appreciate that. That's exciting, and I love getting comments like that. Except when they're commenting on how small my bed is. And so I had many, many lovers say to me like, Oh, your bed is super small. Um, and then I would, they'd always ask me like, When are you going to get a bigger one? Are you going to get a bigger one? Do you want a bigger one? How do we make this happen? It's really tiny. And they would like just comment the, the truth, which was the bed was tiny for them and it was hard. And I would always feel super awkward about it. I would be like, Okay. And like, it made me feel like shit because I knew I couldn't just go out looking for another bed and I couldn't just do that. It wasn't as simple as, like, I'm going to go on this place and get a bed. There was a lot more to it. I had to consider so much more accessibility needs than just, just dropping money for a bed. And so in those conversations with lovers where lovers were like, are you going to get a new bed? I didn't want to have to be like, well, actually, I need a special bed that's adjustable and I need a bed with massage and I need a bed that does all these things and I need a bed that my care workers can work through. I didn't want to like, in the middle of trying to fillet somebody or make out or whatever it was we were doing, I didn't want to stop and be like, well, actually, here are the five reasons why I don't have a bed. Because I know that I know they're not going to necessarily understand that. And I didn't want to have to... It's not sexy to be like, yeah, hey, lover, I want to get that new bed, but I need a specialized one, and no one will help me, so too bad. That isn't really a turn-on. 
I even had a lover exclaim recently to me that when he first saw my other bed that I had, he was scared because it looked to him like a hospital bed. And when he saw the bars that I'd outfitted it with, he was scared and scared him. He said that my old bed made my disability feel more real to him, and this made him feel uncomfortable. I remember we were lying there after we had just had sex, and he told me this, and I didn't know how to respond to that. I was like, how do I... What do I say to you telling me that my accessible bed that I need made you feel like I was more disabled? And it, it was a weird moment of ableism that I couldn't even get mad at him for right away because I was like, am I mad or am I just hearing what you're saying? It was, a, it was a strange moment of vulnerability where I'm lying in this bed that I need for safety. And this guy who's able-bodied says, well, your bed makes you look more disabled. And I, I think it just reiterated the fact that I was sleeping in a bed that was for a disabled person and, and I had internalized shame around that. But hearing him say that made me just feel really strange. And I still am not sure how to respond to what he said. And I remember when he, when he said it, I just went, okay, thanks. Like, okay, all right. But it made me feel very strange. So all of these incidents, including my own internalized ableism, drove me to look at other options for a bed recently. So I started Googling queen size electric beds and what I found was really less than helpful for a disabled person looking for a new for a new bed piece of furniture. It was really not helpful at all. Looking on the websites for beds and mattresses that were electric and adjustable, they can start costing upwards of six thousand dollars just to start. The the frames sometimes cost three Okay, and I, for you know, for somebody on a limited income with a disability or living on disability pension, that's just not feasible and that's just not affordable or accessible financially for a disabled person at all. Just a brief reminder that most disabled people live on between 800 and 1,000 bucks a month before they have to pay rent. So really, they're living on between 400 and 500 bucks a month after everything is paid. They can't afford 6K for a bed, and that's just, it just shows how inaccessible and how much our bodies don't matter, disabled bodies don't matter in, the, in this way. And I'll get to more of that in a second because I have more thoughts on that. I also found it kind of troubling that people, the, the people in these ads for these luxurious beds that go up and down, they were all white, able-bodied, cis women, by themselves, reading their books in bed, smiling. And I thought, well, this is weird. Shouldn't the pretty, luxurious, white, able-bodied, cis women be having all the sex and be having all the attractive men in their big, comfy bed? Like, I found that the imagery very strange and very... Very incongruous with why those beds are, with why those beds are designed to go up and down. They should be marketed towards disabled people, but instead they're marketed towards cis, white, able-bodied women who are holding books in their hands. Also, none of the descriptions for these beds give you any indication as to whether or not they would actually be of benefit to somebody with a mobility disability or chronic pain or any of those things. Nothing in the descriptions of these beds hint to disability. And instead, they suggest the most boring cliche reasoning for even wanting a bed. And I want to read that to you now because I 
copied and pasted it in my notes because it's ridiculous. Just listen to how ridiculous this descriptor of what of why you need this bed that goes up and down is. It's equipped with the wall hugger feature that positions the Supreme the same distance from your wall, no matter how high the head portion of the bed is elevated. This will prevent you from... <laughs> this will prevent you from... This will prevent... Hang on. This will prevent your having to reach awkwardly behind your back to pick up that morning cup of coffee or best-selling novel from a nightstand. If you're having trouble visualizing this benefit, just drop by the showroom. A short test drive will bring a smile to your face. So, let's back up here for just a minute. These people have so much privilege that they would drop 6k or more on a bed because they want to not awkwardly pick up the coffee cup or the best-selling novel from the nightstand. Ew! How gross is that? There's no mention of the fact that this is actually a great bed for disabled people. There's no, there's nothing about that. Why? It's so bougie and full of privilege, this ad. When I saw it, I had to put it in there because it just made me, like, disgusting. Why aren't disabled people and, and elderly people given any advertising in this arena that makes them feel sleek and sexy? I did also find some imagery of... Elderly, elderly couples using the beds, and they were so desexualized in this, in these ads that they were in in their like shower robes, smiling in bed, holding each other's hands, reading books. What if they want to fuck? Can't they be wearing like sexy older people fuck clothes, like you know lingerie and boxers? Why is it so desexualized when it comes to? disabled people, and elderly people. In one photo I saw, there's a young, there's like a woman in her 40s standing in a black lingerie and looking at her, at the at the, the bed in the full up position while smiling and wearing a black teddy. And she's holding her morning cup of coffee and brimming to, her, to herself, ear to ear, by herself. And I was like, what the fuck is this? How, why would you... Why would you stand outside your bed? Why would you not be in the bed when the bed is up? Why would you be looking at it in the stand-up position, in a teddy, smiling with your cup of coffee? Shouldn't you be with your hot husband, fucking him in the bed? Where is that? Barf. Just by comparison, when looking at the types of beds that have been marketed towards disabled people specifically for disabled people, I immediately noted a drastic difference in what was on offer. They were tiny, singular beds with mattresses that looked like something Hannibal Lecter might be comfortable in. I can't, I can't describe it any other way. They were just tiny, really, really uncomfortable-looking beds with huge bars on them that made them look completely uninviting. Actually, I'm going to pull up a picture and just describe it to you. I'm going to describe what I see when I pull up a picture of what I, of, of a bed that is on offer for a disabled person. So the one that I'm looking at, I found it on a, on a home health care site. It is called the Drive Delta 1000 Ultralight Full Electric Hospital Bed. And it comes complete with 1980s mattress covers, 
in bright blue that nobody would ever want. It comes with no space for anything, with two tiny little bars on it. I, the one that I'm looking at has tiny small bars. So if anything was to happen to you, you would definitely fall out. Um, and because it's a hospital bed, you're able to get it for a mere $1,349 Canadian, but there's no comfort in it. And it says things like, the Drive Delta 1000 full electric hospital bed makes inpatient home care convenient with easy-to-use positioning controls. So, even that description tells you that, that this bed was not for a disabled person. This bed was not to make their life better. This bed was to make their caregiver's life better, which I also fully understand and appreciate, but the disabled person is going to be in the bed. Why, can't, why aren't they allowed to have some luxury there? Pisses me right off. I'm getting really mad about it, actually, as I keep reading this thing. Why aren't they allowed to have luxury and to feel comfortable in their bed and to feel sexy and to feel cozy and warm? Why aren't they allowed that? And why are these descriptions so ableist? Gross. There were also a number of sites that highlighted that some of the types of beds for the different types of needs that disabled people have. So I found a website that gave you a big list of the different kinds of beds that you can get for a disabled person and a list like for people who need help to sit up and lie down in bed, for people who need help to have support when sitting in bed, for people who slide down the bed, for people who have difficulty getting their legs into bed, for people who have difficulty moving or turning in bed, for people who have difficulty getting out of bed for people who cannot safely take weight through their legs or whose ability to move is limited for people with incontinence difficulties for people with back pain for people who need the bed clothes away from their body or legs for people who fall or wander from the bed for people who lie flat on the bed for long periods of time mattresses for comfort for people who wish to eat or carry out leisure activities in bed, such as reading. <laughs> okay, hang on. Why isn't a leisure activity sex? Why couldn't they be like, for people who wish to carry out leisure activities in bed, such as fucking my hot partner? Why can't that be in there? This sends a very clear message to disabled people in marketing that our sexuality something that every single bed through the history of time has been used for is not for us. We're not allowed to have disabled beds that incorporate sexuality in there. And that's a huge problem. Why aren't we part of those marketing campaigns? Why? So on my journey for a new bed, for a bigger bed, I knew that this wasn't going to be a simple thing that I could just go out and buy. It wasn't going to be easy. So I kept this small, tiny bed for three years, for almost three years, powering through, afraid that if I looked for other options, and then if I gave up on this bed, I wouldn't be able to get something similar. I was so worried that if I gave up this bed, I wouldn't be able to find something in my price range that I could actually afford and use that would work for me. So I just didn't give it up. I powered through with dudes for three years in that shitty tiny little bed. 
I decided also to look into whether government assistance might be able to help me subsidize the cost of a bigger bed that I could actually move in and host cute boys in. I promise when I spoke to the government people asking for help, I didn't say, Hi, government assistance people. I want you to find me a new bed so I can fuck dudes in it, please. I promise I didn't do that. I can be more professional when I need to be. <laughs> Only sometimes. I phoned them and said, I need I need a bigger bed for my mobility and comfort. Well, what can we do about that? What can we do? I went to my, my GP's office and had them fill out forms for me requesting this. I had letters written on my behalf from family members and friends. None of the dudes that I was fucking wrote me a letter, but that's okay. I had people write me letters saying it would be good for my body. All that stuff I had them write in. So it was a team effort for me to get this bed and to be, get laid in crippled comfort. When I finally managed to speak to a worker after all my requests had been filed, which took months, by the way, I was told in no uncertain terms by this worker on the phone in a 30-second conversation that unless my disability facilitated that I was uniquely bed-bound or obese to the point of being unable to function outside the bed, they would not fund a bed or mattress or anything of that sort. So unless I live in the bed, and unless I don't go anywhere, and I don't have any kind of social life, or unless I'm, I'm bed-bound and stuck, I'm not allowed to have comfort? That's what they're saying. That's basically what they're... And I, I asked her to repeat herself a bunch of times during our conversation, and she did. And I was like, really? Do you hear how ridiculous that sounds? And they said, oh, no, but we will be happy to give you $100 towards a regular mattress. And I said, so would you give me the money towards, like, a an adjustable mattress or something of like that sort? She said, oh, no, just a regular mattress that you would get from the, the mattress store. And I was like, but I can't use that mattress. I need a special one. And they said no. So the government, who is supposed to look look out for disabled people's well-being, and we know that that's a big joke, but they're supposed to have that in all their mandates. When you ask them for real help so your body's okay, they tell you no. And they denied me this, and they said no. And they, all they wanted to do was give me a measly $100 when what I want costs 6 k Gee, thanks. Similar restrictions and silly policies are true of adjustable bed subsidies in the U.S. healthcare system, too, and that really isn't fair. Everyone deserves great sleep, especially people with chronic pain and mobility needs, and there shouldn't be restrictions placed on that, which require a person to be more immobile than they actually are just to receive support. That's not fair, and that's disabling them, and that's, I just think it's so problematic. This is further evidence that the disabled body isn't deemed important or worthy, and our health simply doesn't matter and doesn't register to a lot of people. So eventually, I was looking around for a bed, and my mom actually hopped on Amazon, and she saw a queen-size bed, adjustable bed, from the Lucid brand, this is not an endorsement, I'm just saying they're, it's Lucid. It was about $1,200 and completely affordable compared to what I had seen on the other sites. So I decided that it was something that I absolutely, need, absolutely needed in my life, and I picked it up. I didn't want to wait to see if magical funding went through, and I didn't want to beg anymore for my comfort. I wanted to be comfortable in my bed, and I didn't want any more nights of discomfort, and I didn't want partners that I was sleeping with 
to feel uncomfortable in my in my bed space. I didn't want that. So I went and I just put it on my cards and I there we go. I I got a bed. Just like that. If you are looking for a bed and you have the means to do it, I highly recommend looking on Amazon to get a bed like that because it really is great. And from the minute I laid my spastic body on the sheets, it was like everything changed. I actually had space to move around and stretch out my body, which when you have contractures and spastic CP isn't always the easiest. It just felt different and that felt awesome. My body goes into a windswept position when I sleep, like my head will be on one side and my legs will be on the other side and it goes into an automatic like S position when I sleep and when I'm entirely relaxed. And I got to do that and splay out in the bed without worrying about whether I'm gonna fall over. I didn't have any bars on the bed this time and that felt amazing, that was great. And it felt really, really good. For once, I also felt connected to my masculinity in this bed too. Like, this wasn't a hospital bed at all. This was a bed where I could be the sexual being that I've always been, and that was important to me. And it was really, really nice to feel that way. Every time I looked in the bed when I first got it, when I went in the room, I grinned from ear to ear because I knew that I would eventually fuck in this big bed with people, and that just made me smile. It made me feel like I was an independent, sexy man because I had my own fuck pad basically that felt really nice and it felt it connected me to a part of my disabled sexuality that I didn't realize and I could also roll around in the bed and I had so much space that my body was happy because I knew that eventually other people would join me on the bed and they would have space too the first time I brought a guy over one of my favorite sex workers to be with our whole dynamic changed it was like having sex with him again for the first time, but from a whole new perspective. We had all the space to move around, to wrap our bodies around one another in ways that weren't all possible due to positioning before. And we actually were able to move around this time because we wanted to. We could wrap our legs around each other. We could, he could pick me up and put me on top of him if he wanted to with space to do that. And one of the things I love doing in that bed with a dude is to get face fucked because now their whole body is not jammed up against my face to put their genitals in there. They actually have room and I can breathe a little bit better and that's important and great. And it would it makes swallowing balls super more accessible. At one point, we were actually able to look at each other during the afterglow in our separate spaces on the bed. We were, to look, we were able to look at each other in the eyeballs after like having a really hot, sweaty, loud session. And it felt really special because it was like, oh, we get to like sit in moments of comfort with each other in the bed without, without needing to be positioned for that. We get to just be in the bed together. That felt really nice, it felt really, really good and made me feel just so much sexier than I realized. When I was Googling stuff for this episode, I found a couple of articles that suggested the best kind of mattress to bone on. It was actually, it was called like, what's the best mattress for sex in 2019? My favorite six beds for fun was what it was called. And they said stuff like, you want to have a firm mattress, you want to have good edge support, you want to have 
strong, firm support. You want to have a cooling thing, you want durability, and you want silence. The picture for this greatest bed to bone in article was two cis white people, a girl and a guy, on the bed looking about 22. And it was sort of gross because it was really, really, they couldn't pick something more progressive than that, something more intersectional than that. Ew, really? Okay, fine. So it talks about all these things that you should look for, firmness, bounce, silence, all that stuff. Um, but there is, of course, no mention of disabled people. There's no picture of a disabled person. There's no mention of more than two people, which I think is slut-shaming. And there's no accessibility features included there whatsoever. So I decided to write one for my accessible bed, and I'm going to read it to you now. This adjustable bed is great for boning if you're a bed-bound babe, you have chronic pain, or you are a wheelchair user. There's enough room for you and several partners, and there's just enough firmness and softness for your joints and bones to relax and not have a flare-up. No need to worry about your partner asphyxiating you with their body parts, unless that's what you both want. The bed is also great for giving accessible blowjobs due to the fact that it can elevate the head as well as the feet in order to accommodate accessible fucking. This bed will finally put you We'll finally put sex and disability in bed together for you. Enjoy. So, bed manufacturers, the takeaway from this is that you should start putting accessibility needs on your beds. Casper and every other one that I saw there start talking about disabled people like it's okay. Also, people who manufacture hospital beds, you can make them sexy. It's all right. Um, those are my takeaways. Everyone deserves to have good sleep and also have a good, comfy place to fuck. And if you are a disabled person and you're looking for a bed and you want help, let me know. I'd love to, to offer my advice to you. But that's the episode. Thanks for listening to the, this latest Disability After Dark, and we'll be back again soon. Thanks, bye! All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week, and I love doing it, and I love shining a bright light on these topics, so thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings, some cool videos I've been in, and you'll see where I've been talking, where I've been doing talks. And if you want to hire me to talk, you can do so there as well. If you want to follow me on the social media, you can put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at the Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at DisAftDarkPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash disability after dark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to patreon.com slash disability after dark, and you can pledge $1 a month, 
to get the show early and get really cool perks like that. And I, I will give you a shout out on the air and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019